Hello and welcome to Special Features, the only podcast that dares to discuss popular culture in all of its forms, past, present and future. My name is Lexi Toyopoulos and I'm going to say thank you for listening to this podcast. I know your time is valuable and to know that you have chosen to allow me to be part of your life, good lord, that means the world to me. And joining me on this episode today, because we're going to be talking about what we have been watching, it's going to be an update episode. I'm joined by one of my dearest friends. You know them from the Dude Cinema Podcast. It's Alex J. Hello. Hello, special creatures. Yes, hello to all the special creatures out there. Uh, it, 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 oh, what, what was it that you just said? Um, I'm grateful for you listening. I am grateful for you <laughs> listening to me as well. I think that's actually what everybody should say at the start of a podcast. Start a podcast with gratitude, guys. Get around absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because truly, guys, thank you for having me in your freaking ears. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. I'm so pleased to be here. Oh, thank you. It I'm going to take that as the compliment good. to me. So it's really hot in the it's studio really today, so I think I'm a bit loopy. <laughs> I think we've all gone a bit crazy. We're yeah. in the middle of a freaking insane heat wave, heat wave in Sydney. Mm. Um, it's like a billion gajillion degrees centigrade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's not Fahrenheit because oh. that would just be unmanageable. Unbelievable. If we got the Fahrenheit's here, my God, I would be a puddle. And I'm close to it now. I am a puddle. <laughs> I've been wearing Terry Towling exclusively for the last two days. I'm like, this is it. I'm, I do I'm, love your Terry Towling shirt. So I'm transforming. <laughs> I'm doing a, basically a two-piece. That's my whole outfit now. I'm just going to make a, a dress out of ShamWows. That's oh, going to be my wow, next okay. foray. I think that's very exciting. Yeah. That is very exciting. Now, Alex, we brought you in. I've wanted to have you on this podcast since we started this new feed. Can I just say, loving the special features, wow, loving okay. the new feed, loving the, shall I say, reboot? Wow, okay. Uh, it's a legal state now, but <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll give you at one free pass. I'm loving it. You guys are killing it. It's su- such interesting chats. Really, really fun. Oh, thank you, dude. And of course, you're no small fry when it comes to podcasting <laughs> yourself. You, of course, host the Dude Cinema Podcast. I do. I co-host with my best friend, uh, Beck Charwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had you on a few times. I've been on recently. We talked about Roadhouse not too long ago. Yeah. And that's a, that is a movie that blew my fucking ass away. <laughs> and I was, like, desperate to find a way to talk about it. And so I was, like, begging you, like, please, can I come onto your podcast and talk about this and film? we were, like, please, you're welcome every single week. You can be the third co-host wow. if you want. Okay, I'm taking over. All right. And I'm going to kick both you and Beck off. <laughs> And I'm going to finally give voice to the dudes. <laughs> the dudes deserve their I voice to be heard. There was a podcast called Dude Cinema hosted by a dude. Oh. Hosted by one guy. Oh. <laughs> Maybe one of the most annoying podcasts there is. Yeah. But, you know, you have been exploring cinema so deeply over mm. the last few years. I'm always curious to check in with you, especially when you talk about things that are, like, outside of that realm of dude cinema. Mm-hmm. So I think trying to find, like, the other things out there that you're watching. Mm-hmm. So what have you been doing at the moment? What have you been, you know, stuffing your eyes with? I have been stuffing my eyes so hard with... Wow, gorgeous. <laughs> you made it sound worse than I did. <laughs> there is no room left in these stuffed eyeballs. I've been watching the <laughs> Leah Remini documentary series wow. about Scientology. What is it called, by the way? It's it's called Leah Remini Leaving Scientology. Wow, I didn't know that it was eponymous. I didn't know she got her name in the title. Oh, she gets her everything wow. and everywhere in this show. Gorgeous. It's 
like three seasons. So my partner and I started oh watching it thinking it was just one season. And I thought f- it was like five episodes. Or no, there's three seasons. Oh, my gosh. So far. Okay, wow. And so we finished the first season and we're like, wow, gosh, Scientology's fucked. And then two seasons appeared in front then of us. you it. go, oh, wow. You, by the end, you change your mind. I'm actually going to join up. Actually, it's come around full circle. Yeah. <laughs> but Leah Remini is, if anyone doesn't know, she's a comedic actress. Mm-hmm. She was in King of – no, not King of the Hill. She was King it of was Queens. It was King of Queens. King of Queens. <laughs> the King of Queens. And she's very – look. She's she, blunt? She's blunt. Okay, cool. She's very funny. She's very like she's from Queens type energy, mm-hmm. but she's also very much got main character energy. Oh wow! Okay. She is the main character of this show, but mm-hmm. and so if well, you can, she is. It's Pondus. Exactly. In the title. That's why I'm not surprised at all that yeah. her name is in the main <laughs> if title. If someone else pops up, go hang on a second. This is a Kevin James vehicle as well. <laughs> what the? And so it's her and this guy Mike Rinder, and he was basically he's an Australian guy, but he was the front of the public image of Scientology for like 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Wait, what do you mean by that? As in like it was his job. Anything was being spoken about Whoa. poorly in the media. It was his job to squash it. Mr. PR. Pretty much. But Whoa, like Scientology, yeah. And so they like gets very much like, oh, the shit that they do is just insane. And yeah. so he's since left. Most Scientologists have left. Mm-hmm. And the show basically goes through each episode is a different ex-Scientologist story about what that was like in Scientology, how hard it was to leave. And it's just fucked up, wow. dude. Like it's we've all seen so many documentaries mm-hmm. about Scientology and stuff, but this one really goes into so many different stories, all very much like evidence-based and fact-checked and all this kind of stuff and it's the shit that they do is insane and so i am obsessed i'm mm-hmm. halfway through season two i'm going to finish all three seasons Whoa. is and it continuing or is it like this i don't is know actually because it came out in like 2013 because mm-hmm. i think that's when she left and she did it very publicly yeah. and then she's since been of course labeled as suppressive which mm-hmm. is a very very bad word in scientology but so it's, it's her and Mike Rinder and they basically host an interview. But they've got a really funny dynamic as well. So at the beginning, like in the first season, you can kind of see like Leah like inserting herself and talking over people and interrupting and stuff and Mike would kind of just be like, okay, that's fine. But by season two, he's got a bit of confidence in himself mm-hmm. and so he starts pulling Leah up when she starts interrupting him. Oh, and stuff. Oh, okay. It's like a mum and dad dynamic. <laughs> Such a fun but you know heavily depressing show, but I really recommend it. It's on Stan, yeah, and it's yeah Leah Remini uh, leaving or after Scientology. Oh man, I'm sure if you just look up Leah Remini, it'll come up in Stan. That's it. I got to watch this because I I'm fascinated by this topic. Mm. I remember the documentary Going Clear from yes. like ten years ago as well, around yeah. the same time that. Uh, Remini was leaving, I think. Yeah. Um, I just think that's like an incredible documentary. And it was one of those things that made me so paranoid. Like watching it, I was like, I became convinced there were people around me that were Scientologists. Oh, definitely. I'm going to tell you one person who at that time, I was like, maybe they're Scientologists. Because I went to their home and they had like, um, like it wasn't even Scientologist stuff, but it was like they had almost the equivalent of a live, laugh, love yes. type thing on their wall. And I was like, okay, that's some kind of like kooky self-help type thing. Um, it was a comedian. Who? <laughs> and I was like, this guy is a freaking Scientologist. I can see 
say that. But I don't think they, they obviously they're not. But no. it was just like in that one moment, yeah. I just was like, that's a Scientologist. Yeah. Because I had it in my brain. Because, yeah, you were like, well, that's, I think that's when everyone started mm-hmm. listening to people who had left Scientology. Yeah, exactly. And, and now I think we're about to see like a new wave of this stuff happening because of the Danny Masterson trials. Yes. That's, I've been like, obsessed with mm, all of that because it's so closely linked to what I've recently learned about Scientology. That mm-hmm. just that, like, you know how they said that there was like 50 people who wrote letters to the judge yeah. for Danny Masterson. My theory is they were all Scientologists yes. and half of them probably never even met him. Mm-hmm. Or just, Scientologists have like, you know, ma- illicit materials on them. They're blackmails. Yep. I feel like that. Exactly. And then, then they all just have to come together to support this guy on behalf of Scientology because if they don't, they're just so obsessed with their public image mm. that I, yeah, I reckon most of those judge letters would have been Scientologists. Yeah. I reckon there's going to be a whole new wave of like either people excommunicating yep. or um, just like more information coming out about mm-hmm. it or like even crazier, just dead silence. I reckon it will be dead silence, especially like because Miss Cabbage is still around and he's still psycho mm-hmm. as fuck. But like the whole thing is like in Scientology, they Scientologists, I guess, like in, like, say, the Celebrity Center, like Hollywood Scientologists, they believe that Scientology is recruiting the world. They believe that there is mm. millions upon millions of Scientologists in the world because that's what they've been told. There's only, like, apparently, like, 1,400 or wow. something worldwide now. Like, maybe 14,000. 14 something. 14. But much less than you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't know what to expect. I've got, mm. it's so. Are you I mean, a cult guy? Do you like culty mm, docos and stuff like that? Sometimes, but I think I prefer. I don't know, actually. Mm. It's I, maybe I prefer fictional mm-hmm. takes on it. But I often, you everyone, you you everyone's guilty of falling down that rabbit hole of like going, I want to learn more. Mm. And I actually think that there's an aspect to like these. Uh, "Quote unquote new religions or cults, like I mean, we explored a little bit in Finding Jesus, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of where my fascination lies mm. in that, like the idea of new prophecy. Like it says, of course there should be there is there are things that are like new uh, religions and mm. stuff. So I kind of like I'm fascinated by it, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not a religious person. Yep. I have probably agnosticism in me or whatever, some kind of form of spirituality, but I'm drawn to them for more so more so out of interest than like, you know, philosophically. Actually, like, yeah. yeah, then like, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated by them, but I don't know. I don't go too many deep dives these days. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, what about you? Have you signed up to any? Oh, uh... I love <laughs> a cult. I love yeah. learning about the cult. Just like the human mm-hmm. behavior of it all. How do people get sucked in? All that kind of stuff. I love it. Also because I can, you know how everyone, people are like, I would never get sucked into yep. a cult, that kind of thing. Um, I like kind of almost did. Well, I signed, I was part of an MLM at one point. <laughs> oh, a multi-level marketing scheme? Yeah, before I knew what that meant. Okay, pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. What was it? Can you say, you don't have to say the name of the brand. Do you remember Isogenics? What's Isogenics? It's a weight loss diet oh, thing, wow. of course. Um, I have a boomer mum, so <laughs> it, was a, it was diet related. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can, like, I've got this thing where like, and one time I went to, like I didn't realize how mm-hmm. culty it was and stuff until I went to like a presentation. Mm-hmm. Somewhere and it was just so fucking culty. And I left halfway through. I'm like, this is not for me. I just want to make oh, some money. And I thought yeah. I was going to make money, but yeah. But I think the human condition around cults is so fascinating mm. to me. 
Then there's so many great works of fiction of it. Like, obviously, the ones that come to mind, like Martha, Mar- uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene is a great movie. Ah. But one that I think is, like, a bit off the beaten track that I would recommend out there. It's an Australian movie by Jane Campion. Uh, it's called Holy Smoke. And it stars Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel, amongst oh, other great Australian actors as well. But what's interesting about it, it's all about the deep programming. Like it's about that's fascinating too. Yeah, and I feel Ooh. like they don't have too many things in that exact field. But the whole premise is Kate Winslet goes with her friends on a holiday to India, and she gets swept up into like a guru cult. Yeah. Then her family are like you know worried about her, so they have to try and get her back. And when they get her back, Harvey Cartel comes in as like the expert deprogrammer of cults. Oh, good, he's a good guy. And so they're like kind of trapped together for a long weekend where he's trying to deprogram. Her. That is fascinating. It's I'm fascinating. definitely going to watch that. Underrated movie, but a lot of people don't talk about it. A lot of people don't like hold it into the same esteem as many of Campion's other films. Mm-hmm. But there's a really interesting blend of like comedy and you know the fucked up s that goes along with that. I, love I wasn't too censor to censor the shit and sort of <laughs> fucked up. The fucked up <laughs> s. <laughs> I did not say the word shit on the podcast. <laughs> that really fucked up, messed up fucking s. That. C- Whoa, don't say that. (laughs) I'm going to have to bleep that one. I'm going to bleep that one. Um, So that is what you've been watching recently. You talked about Leah Remini is the recommendation. Leah Remini's documentary. My new best friend, Leah. Oh, and she is a wonderful friend to have. (laughs) She uh, stands up for you. <laughs> the last couple of weekends, I was at the Sydney Underground Film Festival, mm. which is a film festival I absolutely adore because uh, it comes around once a year. It is very interesting because they have like a really great adventurous curation style to their programming. Where it's all about finding like smaller, weirder, slightly offbeat films, mm-hmm. genre cinema, and stuff like that. Um, you know, many a film that could be a potential cult classic dude movie, if you will. Fun, but there were. It's always great. I usually see more movies I love than I dislike. And uh, the ones I dislike, there's usually something interesting in trying to find them. But there was a clear favorite to me that's like absolutely going to be like, I can't imagine it not being one of my favorite movies of the year. And I'm going to talk about it now to like kind of put it on your radar because I think it will have some small release next year in 2024. But if you're listening to podcasts like this, you're probably interested in humor. And I think that this is like a fucking crazy comedy. It's called Hundreds of Beavers. <laughs> and it is by a filmmaker called Mike Cheslick. And it is, I don't even know how to explain it. It's basically a silent film uh, that feels like not, it's a silent comedy. And it has the kind of feeling of early Looney Tunes. So it's got a bit of an animation hybrid to it. Um, So it's like not even quite like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton. It probably has more to do with like – Who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, like Tex Avery (laughs) kind of stuff. And it's like this – it's a really mesmerizing experience. It looks completely like a silent comedy. But I'd also say the other kind of element that goes into it, it's almost like the structure of an adventure video game, uh, like Legend of Zelda or something. And there's this kind of like – I'll kind of – I'll tell you what the premise of the movie is. It is uh, set in – the Wilderness of America, mm-hmm. and it stars a man who becomes, uh, I guess, like a fur trapper. 
And so it's basically like catching animals and fur, getting them. But all the animals are played by like guys in giant costumes like that. They look like mascots. Whoa. So all the like, animals are in mascot costumes. And his whole mission basically is trying to capture all these beavers and creatures, raccoons and everything get the first to kind of make his living mm-hmm. and then his secondary uh, thing is it's all about survival but he also wants to win the hand in marriage of the daughter of the shopkeeper but it's literally like a video game he's a shopkeeper and it's like this this is worth 10 beaver skins this is worth that so it's all about the like cumulative oh. gain of him like finding new ways to like get the beavers and get them all thing so it can build up like it literally structured like a video game but it's silent but it's silent is it, there's obviously there's score music, and great stuff. score music yeah. and like you know little hermit hermit like all those kind of like voices type things like this, that. What? And it, it, it is. What brains think of this? I have it no idea. Because it's like these feel like so such creative. disparate mm. influences coming together, <laughs> and the gamification of it all, where it's like you know you see the setup. Uh, like something is established early on, but then he gets the skills to like really get like do amazing things that you've seen like set up in these gag ways. Uh, it's like I'm even having trouble kind of d- trying to describe it because it almost feels like a two-hour let's play of a video game. Yeah. But it's also super cinematic. Like it yeah. looks incredible. It feels and sounds incredible. The costuming at first you're like, oh, it's kind of naff that there's like mm-hmm. these realistic costumes and then like the beavers and the raccoons and stuff. It's just like a big mascot. Mm. But then you kind of access the cartoon-like charm of that shit and just works so well. Wow. And is it black and white? Black and white entirely. There's so many elements mm-hmm. to get my head around. Truly. And it just like, it just really worked. Yeah. And I saw it with Henry Stone and a bunch of like other friends of mine, George Levy and stuff. And uh, we were all enthralled by it. Mm. There was a couple of other people that we knew around there that were like, oh, it was a bit too long because it's like around two hours long. Okay. But honestly, I it could be an hour longer for me. Okay. I honestly could have sat there all freaking day watching it because just literally it's the setup and payoff satisfaction. We mm. see him like experimenting with like, oh, I'm going to make this trap this way. It fails. It fails. It fails. And then like one, oh, he figured out how to make it work. And then it just kind of all comes together in this really kind of highly climactic fascination mm-hmm. that it just works. So it's called Hundreds of Beavers. That's so exciting. When you like – do you know that you love a movie? Like when you're seeing these the new movies that mm-hmm. you don't have any premise, like predisposed ideas about, do you kind of immediately know you love the movie or does it usually take a while? Mm, interesting. Sometimes it's it? like one thing that happens. Yep. We're just like, oh, how can I not love this thing? And especially something like this where it's like a bold experiment where mm. you're like they're playing with so much stuff that is not in the – that's not popular in current day cinema in any kind of way really. Yeah. Uh, and f- like you know, who would watch a game, f- a movie that feels like a fucking game? Like it, feel- it sounds like a lot, but it just w- and so simple. But it sounds really it's so simple. It okay. just works, and I and it's all about the execution. I think it's like for something like this, you have to appreciate like the boldness of the ambition of trying to do something like this. Mm. But then I think I fell in love with it during like kind of turning points where you realize like oh this is what this movie is going to be doing cool and when you feel like that challenge of something like that in the cinema it's hard not to just be like oh i love this it's thing cool. but i think by the end of it it was almost like how much do i love this thing Yay! like how That's much so can i like truly just go heap on this like small tiny independent film but it doesn't feel small it feels humongous yeah cool it's really it's really really bold hundreds of beaver beavers by mike cheslick 
Um, and it stars this guy, Ryland Brixen Cole Twos, who made something similar a couple of years ago called the Lake Michigan Monster, which I was a little bit peripherally aware about, but I've not seen it. Uh, now I do want to catch up with it. It seems like they're like a collaborative partnership mm-hmm. that wants to explore kind of like these these experimental silent type pictures, the way that like Guy Madden, who is like a video art video artist does mm-hmm. um, from Canada. Um, so that's the first thing I want to talk about from the Sydney Underground Film Festival. That sounds really cool. Mm, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, I actually... I watched a film recently that I've been hearing a lot about mm-hmm. recently online and stuff, and it's called Nice Guys. It's the buddy copy comedy mm-hmm. with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, Mr. Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. and it's been it's kind of come back into the zeitgeist recently because of Barbie movie. Everyone's oh, like, since when has Ryan Gosling been funny? And then everyone's like, here, this we have movie. an example of him being funny yeah, right here. That no perfect watched. example. Yeah, and. So I watched it and he's so fucking funny. I was not expecting like such an easy, lighthearted, just classic style comedy from that mm-hmm. show, that movie. And it just ticked everything for me. Like it's just, just so easily written, really clever, mm-hmm. like his little asides and his his comedy comes from his like subtle movements as opposed to overt like scripting. It's like, I just it's fucking loved it. All physicality as well. All physicality. I remember that scene where he gets busted in the, the toilet cubicle. Scene. And it's just like, that's so what? funny. Since when is that what Ryan Gosling does? I know. He's a mega talent. And I got to say, I love Russell Crowe in this movie. Yeah. This was like where he debuted his new physique almost. I love that. Where he was like, yeah, I'm actually a behemoth. I'm a chunky boy now. I'm a big daddy bear now. And I love it. This was uh, this was a, almost a reawakening to go like, I think Russell Crowe is an awesome actor. I love yeah. him. And just him in this movie was like, he's got a new thing. I love and it. And he's in his like accent era, which yeah. uh, is so funny. <laughs> but this is kind of like the first step towards those kind of like bigger, weirder things that he's up to these yeah, days. Yeah, um, nice, uh, nice guys is awesome. It's like so that good. great buddy cop kind of chemistry in like a bit of a noir yeah. type movie. And set in the 70s, so everything is gorgeous and like golden and browns and earth yeah. tones. And ugh, I just loved it. I can't fault that movie. And it just like it surprised me. It like fully crept up. I had mm. no idea I was going to love it that much. Have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No. Same director and okay. writer, Shane Black. Um, he was a writer a long time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably would have done some of his movies on dude cinema because he's a bit of a dude bro I've classic. I've heard of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Is yeah. that old? That's uh, like early 2000s. Oh, okay. It's um, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Mm. And it's like a modern contemporary set noir film. And but like the stuff he made is like he is Lethal Weapon. He wrote Lethal Weapon. Oh shit. And The Long Kiss Goodnight. A bunch I love of The Long of, Kiss yeah. Goodnight. So it's like a real dude cinema classic guy. Like that's kind of his bread and butter was those kind of movies that the fellas love. Mm-hmm. But um I think he I don't know, I re- I love nice guys. I really like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I reckon you should check it out. Okay. So same kind of like noir tropes, a little bit more in the private eye investigator aspect of it all. Um and Val Kilmer, he plays a gay guy in it. I'm in. And it's a great performance. And it's like now it probably would be an actual gay actor playing it. Sure. But it's played with uh all the res- it was the 2000s. We didn't have mm, we didn't back. have gay men in yeah. cinema then, yeah. and that and finally Val Kilmer helped break the <laughs> barriers down. But it was like the 
It's like a really, it's a great performance. It's really yeah. fun, really fun movie. Well, that's, yeah, so long, I love Long Kiss Goodnight mm-hmm. and Nice Guys, so that's two for two with that director. So yes. I reckon we can make it three for three. Well, I can tell you some movies I could knock those and mm-hmm. you would no longer like him. Okay. So. <laughs> the Predator, awful movie that he made. Oh, no, yeah, I didn't like that one. Movie. Shit. Dog shit movie, in my opinion. Oh, no. But he makes some good stuff. He's a great writer. So it's cool. worth seeing whatever he does in the future. Who knows? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Absolutely. I'll kind of run through a couple of other movies I mm. saw at the festival that I really, really liked. Um, I love this movie called Hippo, which is like a directorial debut. It's a black and white film, um, and it's really small. It's basically all set in one house, oh. and it kind of has – God, I don't even know really where to start with it. It's a really, really strange film that kind of – you have to get on the same wavelength of it because okay. it is a comedy, but it's like an absurdist kind of debut comedy that mm-hmm. has like this very striking pho- black and white photography, it has this storybook kind of narration over it, like a Tim Burton movie almost. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's from uh, Eric Roberts, who is Julia Roberts' brother. He's like oh. a real scumbag actor. Like, I love this guy. He's Eric a great. Roberts. You, you would have seen him in like The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. He's probably his biggest movie. Um, but he's a real like he plays like real grubs and scumbags. Oh, I like, know him. He's just he's fantastic, and he kind of like creates this comedic juxtaposition with this nice storybook style t- narration. But it's like also quite dirty because this whole film is about three people for the most part: a mother and her two children. One is adopted from uh, Ukraine, I believe, and she's like probably fifteen years old, and then her older step-sibling or, mm-hmm. like, a bi- the biological children of the parents, um, brother, who is, like, exhibiting psychopathy. <gasps> um, and it's all a lot of the internal monologues of these two characters voiced by Eric Roberts. And it is just so freaking weird and it's just very compelling in, like, this comedic energy that's doing. I would say that if you like movies like Tim Burton's, a little bit of Tim Burton, a little bit of Jim Jarmusch in there, like mm-hmm. the kind of like experimental weirdness of Jarmusch, a lot of like Yorgos Lanthimos and this kind of like the kind of transgressive nature of like a Todd Salons, which is like, you know, happiness and like those mm. kind of weird movies. The oh, okay, words yeah. like incest and pedophile get thrown around a lot in this film. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and it's really weird. It's, it's a Virginia r- Andrews novel. So it's that's r- just a very niche reference. <laughs> um, anyone gets it, please message me. Message directly. <laughs> directly message Alex. I didn't get the reference, but I'm really delighted other people will get it. Um, I think it's just, it's so weird. It's like a weird little film. So if you kind of like those kind of like transgressive films, that are like funny like those when you say transgressive does that mean like is this set in reality this film kind of okay it's so there's elements almost the, of it's surrealism? set in reality that way Wes Anderson movies are set in reality oh yeah that's per- okay that so makes it's sense. kind of like that but it's also like you know this uh these brother and sister they one of them wants to fuck the other one but they're not related so it's not like they're actually seeing incest mm. but it's Ooh, so playing with moral the, gray yeah, area it's to playing explore. with the stupidity of something <laughs> like that uh and it's, so it's like it's it's fucking weird yeah that sounds but really I had an absolute blast watching it that's really cool yeah it's like uh, I don't know when or if it will ever get released because I often feel mm. like with these film festivals you find something and discover something so whack and weird like this mm. you just then go 
okay, well, I guess I'll never get to see that ever again. Yeah. So there's been films I saw at Sydney Underground Film Festival or Sydney Film Festival or Melbourne Film Festival where I'm just like, well, I've been searching to find it for the last five, six years. I need to find one. Never will. But this one, who knows? Like I, I could imagine doing art house cinemas next year. Mm-hmm. So keep it on your radar. It's called Hippo by a filmmaker called Mark H. Rappaport. It's their film debut. Um, wow. It's really I just a fucking weird comedy. If you like that kind of shit, this is a movie for you, bro. That sounds cool. Um, I'll run through some of the other ones I really liked at the film festival to just kind of put them all on your radar. Mm. I saw a great documentary called Citizen Sleuth that I would actually put on your radar, Alex. Mm. And I reckon it could get like a release on Doc Play or some kind of streamer later in the year or okay. next year. It is a documentary about true crime. But it is a documentary about a young woman who's a true crime podcaster who's making a podcast about uh, a a subject in her small town in, like, West Virginia. Um, I think it's West Virginia. It's, like, in the Appalachian-type area. Mm -hmm. And so her podcast becomes quite popular. Cool. And it's all about, like, the moral ambiguity of, like, making something exploitative like that. Interesting. And uh, whether it is good or bad or self-interest that is kind of fueling these kind of things. Uh, I think it's a really great subject. I I really dug this movie. It's got a really interesting, weird shape. And it kind of gives you an insight. Like, I'm not a true crime listener. I don't really go into those things. Kind of like making stuff like finding the cam and I do. Yeah. It's almost a response to those going like, we want to, we like that style of storytelling, but we don't want to make stuff that is like a grizzly or, that you some know. Some dude st- fucking his mum's feet after he cut them off or whatever, okay, well, for example. Yeah. It only became a crime towards the very end. <laughs> so then it, it would be a true crime. But I think it's worth watching. It's interesting because you kind of get insight into that whole world. Like this, you go to like a true crime That's convention. Cool. Oh, where it's really? like, and I didn't know that shit existed, but of course it does. Of course it does. So she's meeting like Nancy Grace and there's all these other true crime podcasters and all that shit. Cool. It is a weird little world. I love that they're making movies about podcasting now. Like mm-hmm. podcasting is a far enough into yeah. like pop culture that it's a feature in movies. Because I watched <laughs> a very similar one, like mm-hmm. like – I can't remember what it's called. You've probably seen it. It had like BJ Novak in it and oh, Ashton Kutcher. That? Vengeance. Vengeance yeah. about this guy who's mm-hmm. doing an investigative podcast and it kind of about a, a small town crime and it goes into the mor- the morality of it of like, yeah, how exploitative is this? Are you actually helping? Are you just making money off these people's tragedy? Um so I love that type of topic. Mm, me that too. Great. I quite like that movie Vengeance mm. as well. It's interesting. I think it it doesn't. I don't know if it fully connects, but it's a, mm. it's a more interesting first feature directorial debut from B.J. Novak than I was anticipating it to be. Did he direct that? He directed it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I quite liked it, but I'll say this. I mean, we were kind of talking around how fucked off we are with him at the moment. Bastion Kutcher is very good in this movie. And, but he's the villain. And I so I, it tracks for me right yeah, now. <laughs> exactly. I, I actually think he's fantastic in he, this He film. was excellent. And I never thought I would ever say that about Ashton Kutcher. About. Especially when I think he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good movie. It's called Vengeance. a perfect yeah. like Sunday afternoon watch. Mm, yeah, I forgot about that one. It's on you know, it's on a streaming service. So I watched Definitely. it on there too. Well, but what's the one you were talking house? about, sorry? Citizen Sleuth. Citizen Sleuth. Put I'm it on gonna, the radar. Yeah. Citizen Sleuth. That sounds uh, really other good. Other couple of ones I'll touch upon that I loved. I 
really liked the this documentary called Entered the Clones of Bruce, mm. which is about something that's quite fascinating in genre cinema, which is the idea of Bruce exploitation, which is when Bruce Lee died, there was a huge vacuum in martial arts cinema, mm. and there were all these tiny little companies and big companies that were making movies that were fake Bruce Lee movies, or all these actors called like Bruce Light, Bruce Ty, Bruce Lett, all of these actors that are like meant to be the reincarnation of Bruce Lee. Uh-huh. Sometimes literally in the plot of the movies, but always in the aura and the atmosphere and trying to get people to watch them. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's called End of the Clones of Bruce. And it's one of those great movies where you watch it and go, okay, I'm going to get my notepad out and write like a hundred different films to watch. Mm-hmm. And they're all like movies that are like whack Bruce Lee exploitation <laughs> films like The Dragon Lives Again, The Clones of Bruce Lee, stuff like that. Wow. So they're all weird movies. I've seen a bunch of them. This was a cool introduction to get into that world. Yeah, cool. Um, and that will get a release sometime because it's made by Severin. So surely they'll be on streamers or doing some kind of festival circuits more. Uh, and I anticipate there may be even more perhaps releases around it that will be like, I'm assuming there'll be a big box set around this kind of shit because that's what they've done with documentaries they've made in the past. So keep your eyes out for Into the Clones of Bruce. Otherwise... I think that's kind of what we've been watching, right? That's pretty much it for me. But you have some other things on your horizon, dudes. We do. This podcast will be coming out Thursday. Thursday. Okay, Thursday. we're safe. So we are in the safe zone we're safe of and clear. something that you can finally put out into the world. Yes. So um, any listeners of Dude Cinema will already know this because we announced it yesterday. But... Be- uh, Beck and I have decided to wrap up Dude Cinema after five glorious years. Five years. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> My God. It can vote this freaking podcast. It's old. It's getting drunk. Wow. It's doing coke. Um, so we've Which decided- are legal. Are when very you're five legal. Years of age, yeah. It's legal. <laughs> very to do legal. Them. Encouraged, if anything. If you're a podcast. Of course. Um, so we've decided to wrap up Dude Cinema because we realized I think we've just solved it. I just mm-hmm. don't think boys <laughs> are recommending movies to girls anymore. Mm-hmm. I think we've fixed it. And you've it's fixed it. the year of the Barbie movie. Yeah, so exactly. It felt fitting to wrap up. And we will be re- relaunching in the new year with mm-hmm. a brand new podcast that we're like so fucking excited to do. So Can you tell us a little bit, like, do you know? hints towards what you're going to be doing with the new podcast next year? Beck and I haven't discussed what our press release points will be, <laughs> so at this points. point, no, but yeah. I might come back to you with some more dates, but um, we're really excited, and yeah, that's our big news. I think that's really exciting because like, you've done a lot with this podcast, and often it is you trying to unpack things mm. from a new perspective, which is really interesting. But I think the best episode of your podcast was when you and Beck like got to talk about the Barbie movie for ages Thank as kind you. of like a response to Dude Cinema. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating. I think it's one of the best hours of podcasting you've done. Like it's great. Thanks, dude. So I think it's uh, – We had a great that time. And kind of already, you know, I would admit it, you and I are friends in real life. We have talked about discussion of you guys want we to have. branch out and do something this else. Is not, you are not, you're not falling on the ground in shock horror yeah. right now. <laughs> but hearing that episode, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see what you guys do next because just like it felt like you were trying to figure new stuff out yeah it's like it felt it felt well timed Mm because we were kind of like ready to start wrapping up and then we got to do something outside of the regular Mm. framework that we've been using for the last five years so yeah that was really fun and like it just kind of reinvigorated us to be like yep we're really excited to pivot and um 
yeah, so the new one will be out. We'll probably launch like end of Jan, early That's Feb sick. next year. So we're going to have a few months. You got to take some time off. Cam and I do it often. We take time off. Oh, uh, I was so jealous of your break mm. earlier this year. Yeah. And actually, that's the one that Beck and I were like, okay, we need to take. We need, yeah, you need a break. <laughs> and I would say, if you know, if you've been following our podcast for ages, basically every two years we do something completely different. Yeah, like mix things up. That's so natural mm. for podcasting. Like I think it's quite unnatural that we've gone five years with, like we've never. Or you had a mission. We had had a mission, mission. exactly. And we had a mission that had so much content available Mm -hmm. for it. Absolutely. Endless, basically. We could keep going for another five years with the movies available. You could could do it. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, I think you should. I've changed my mind. Okay. But what is what are you doing in this kind of end zone? What are you doing? So here? we are doing a live show as like a little farewell to Jude Cinema. Um, not farewell to me and Beck, as we said on <laughs> our our episode yesterday. Beck and I will be podcasting together till the day we die. Wow, and hopefully that's many years away. <laughs> and on the day we die, actually, I hopefully as well. that's well. You got to do what you do. Got to get those you mics. Do what you do out there. You know, a lot of people say it's great to die doing what you love, mm-hmm. and I hopefully I perish in a hot studio one day. Hopefully they. <laughs> Takes complete power over me. Just a general sheen of sweat over me. You just hear those last words squeak out of my head. I want my death rattle recorded. I want it to be prolocking some other project that I've worked (laughs) on as I pass out into the next world. Um, so we're going to do a live show, which will be like a farewell, but right. it's also going to be the Dude Cinema Awards. So Whoa. we've got next week, we've got an episode coming out where we'll announce all of the categories and all of the nominees. Mm-hmm. And then um, our listeners will vote and then we'll announce the winners at the Dude Cinema Awards, which is on October 28th at Kinsella's. Whoa, Halloween. Basically. Yeah, Halloween weekend. So yeah. we might do some dress ups or something, uh, <laughs> and we'll have some like if you want to come along. It's so it'll be so much fun. We'll have like guests. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hoping you might be available Whoa. as well. Let me check my calendar. We haven't hit you up yet. We'll talk to your people. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, Can you imagine you talk to my agent to book me for a podcast. <laughs> You're right in front of me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, do it. Um, okay. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. hit them up. Yeah, hit, hit them up. I don't want to hear part of it. I'll say yes or no. I'll All the best, to you. Alex. But yeah, so that's October 28th. You've yes. got the live show. Mm. The finale? The finale. Oh, my God. Unreal. The end of a freaking era. Yeah. So if you're interested in what we award certain categories, for example, just as a little teaser, yeah, one tease of the, one of the categories is Best Dead Wife. Whoa, okay. Christopher so, Nolan might yeah. be a, a full category of his films nominated. So yeah, all the categories are very dude cinema related yeah, and yeah. yeah, it'll be fun. That's sick. And say, you know, we got time before the new podcast comes out. Mm. If people want to get into dude cinema, mm. there's going to be heaps of episodes on the feed. Oh, they're, they're going to be up there until we relaunch. So mm-hmm. yeah, head over to dude cinema. We've got like 300 different movies we've done. And what are some of your favorite episodes you'll tell them? Um. To jump into the Barbie episode, I'll say Barbie, that's awesome. Definitely, definitely. That one. Uh, what have we? We loved we loved doing Roadhouse with you. That yeah. was actually like a really yeah, <laughs> such that's, a I would recommend that fun one too. movie. That's and a fun one. Stupidly fun movie. Uh, recently, what else? Mission Impossible. We finally did Mission Impossible for the first time. Anything else? You got any dates coming up for stand up? Um, oh, I've just got a uh, Fringe Festival coming up uh, next week. So the 28th, I think, through to the 1st of October with Daniel Towns and Luke Heggie. Just a uh, brand new material show we do it every year. It's lots of fun. Split bill. That's it. And next week, next weekend, I'm going to be in Brisbane for the Brisbane 
only Repulsive Liquid Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Both. I'm going to be hosting an event with Philip Brophy, the director of Body Melt, a screening of that film, a Q&A with him. It's one of the gooeyest Aussie classics. It's a real whack, weird horror anthology film, which we don't really make very much of in Australia. It's a cool, weird, disgusting, dirty, great, funny, weird, exciting film freaking horror classic wow. and it'll be followed by a screening of Reanimator if you've never seen Reanimator it's one of the great horror classics for a reason you've got to come check it out cool. some great goo in that film too um, so that's Brisbane Only Repulsive Liquid Film Festival it's at New Farm Cinemas I'll be there for the 30th of September and come hang out I'd love to hang out with you there. Love to hang out with you. I'm talking directly to you, the listener. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting, making, I'm, it's not me. I'm not getting I'm not any eye contact, contact right now. I'm making eye contact with Alex. I'm looking into the microphone. I'm speaking directly to you, the listener. Come hang out with me there. Yeah, and watch Cameron on WTFAQ on Wednesday nights on ABC. Great show.